Welcome to the Pay Yourself First podcast. My name is Chris Jolly, and I'm on a mission to financially empower millions of entrepreneurs. I want you to make and keep more money so that you can begin implementing and turbocharging a plan for creating financial freedom your way during the life cycle of your current business without spending a ton of time or becoming a professional investor. You see, most of the financial teachings out there are made for employees, not entrepreneurs. If you wouldn't listen to someone who doesn't have kids about parenting, why take business financial advice from someone without a business? Are you ready to break free of bad advice and follow the trail of other uncommon entrepreneurs so you can get from where you are now to the lifestyle you were aiming to create when you started your business? Then stick around. Here comes another episode of Pay Yourself First, where the only investment we offer is the one you make in yourself. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am very excited. We have another amazing entrepreneur on. His name is John, and he works in leadership development. He says he doesn't care if you call him a coach, a consultant, or what. Just don't call him late for dinner. John, thank you so much for joining us today. It is absolutely my pleasure, Chris. Wonderful. I'm really excited to have you on. I know you have a lot of knowledge you're going to share with myself and the audience, so can't wait to hear your stories. Before we get started with those, can you just tell everybody out there a little bit more about who you are, what it is that you do, and who the people you serve are? Absolutely. Well, my entrepreneurship journey started at seven years old, and that was because I grew up in a a very poor family, which I tend to think is characteristic of a lot of us entrepreneurs. We were searching a better solution. Seven years old, I noticed that a lady down the street had an overgrown lawn. And I said, dad, can I ask her about mowing the lawn? And he said, yes. And he being a business person himself, and I think wanting to teach me, he said, for every lawn you mow with my mower, you got to pay me a dollar for use of the mower and the gas that gets put in there. And you can keep whatever else you get. He recommended some little guidelines, $2 for this size, $3 for that. And that's what I did for the first probably week. And then realized if I charged more, I got more and uh, learned the, uh, the valuable lesson of value added and market demand. And so that was the journey. From the, by the time I was 12, I was working in a little produce store for a guy. I was selling things out of catalogs. I remember back in school, you have those little uh, catalogs you sell out of. Well, I found one that would pay me cash to sell those items. And uh, so worked in that way and sold newspaper subscriptions and really just had that entrepreneurial spirit. Really stepped into leadership at age 12. I was participating in martial arts at that point, And we were waiting for the instructor to arrive who had gotten stuck in traffic, I think. And the parents of the class came up to me and said, we think you should teach the class. Well, I wasn't the oldest one there. I wasn't the highest ranking one there, nothing. And I said, oh, I can't do that. I'm not the sensei. And they said, we're paying for the class and we asked you to teach. Can you please go ahead and get up there? And that was my very first foray into leadership. But within a year, I was an assistant instructor. Within a couple of years, I had my own classes. And by the time I was 19 years old, I was teaching over 500 students and was getting ready to step into owning my own martial arts studio. But I wasn't as mature as I thought I was. And unfortunately, at 19 years old, I made a horrible decision, went with some friends and committed a crime. That's just the bottom line. And anybody that wants to know more can find me on my website or whatever. I'm an open book about it, but ended up serving 12 years in prison, which which completely transformed me and took me from an entrepreneur that would do anything to make a buck to really an entrepreneur that valued integrity and really wanting to offer authentic value, not just grounds up any penny that he could possibly find. And so my character changed. And as my character changed, my desire to impart into others changed. And even though I had been involved in leadership since that 
age of 12, my leadership dynamically changed as I learned how to be a leader in a hostile environment. And I did everything from creating rehabilitation programs to facilitating ones that were state sponsored and coaching sports, because that's all we have to do in there if you're not being very productive. And then I got out. Thankfully, by grace, I've been able to continue in my journey of leadership, working as a training manager for an international specialty logistics company. And through that, I've been able to see, hey, you know what? Leadership is my gift. It can add a lot of value. And so that's what has me now, once again, in the entrepreneurial role, forging that path and starting out on a new journey and saying, hey, it's time to offer that gift to the world and hope that it's a good enough gift that I can make a decent living on it. John, I love it. What an amazing story. Thank you for sharing that with us. Absolutely. Now, tell me, what do you think for entrepreneurs is the number one thing that they miss about leadership or one of the misconceptions they have about it? I would say the biggest misconception is they don't understand how important it is. I've met hundreds, if not thousands of entrepreneurs in my life. And what I found is that most of them are very good at starting businesses. And very few of them are good at keeping businesses because they don't know how to raise up leaders. And so as mu they can only go as far as they can go. They're dependent on themselves. And that's not real entrepreneurship. That's getting businesses going, but it's not actually having that, that child, which is your business, and you're raising it up to maturity to where it's making money for you instead of you just putting in 80-hour weeks. Anybody can put in an 80-hour week and make a bunch of money, whether you're doing it for your own business or somebody else's. And so I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't recognize that real business success and real legacies are not built because, oh, I started a business. It's I started something, I took that risk, which is really what the entrepreneurism is. Then I found people to raise up as leaders to carry that legacy while I went and started another risk and did the same thing and duplicated the model. And I, I don't know that a lot of entrepreneurs believe that. I think a lot of people believe that an entrepreneur is, I quit my job and I went and started my own thing. All you did was just change one boss for a thousand bosses because now every single one of your customers is your boss. What can an entrepreneur do then in order to raise up those leaders within their organization? I believe in what I call love-based servant leadership. I don't think you can be an effective leader unless you genuinely love people. And I don't think you can be an effective entrepreneur unless you genuinely love people because you're finding a solution, right? An entrepreneur says, I see a gap and I want to meet that need. Now, I am having to distinguish that between the entrepreneur that says, I see a buck and I can make it. There are lots of those and they probably fit into the traditional term of entrepreneur, one that starts a business or one that sees a gap and tries to fill it. But those that genuinely have a heart of love, I think are able to make a much more dynamic impact because they don't just see a need that makes a buck. They see a need where they can add value. And I believe in the concept that says, if you will offer your gift to the world, they will beg to pay you for it. And so offering that gift and then empowering others to facilitate that gift, I think is where real meaningful and dynamic impact impact is made and when legacy is developed that far surpasses any temporary business success. Even the best entrepreneurs and the best leaders sometimes have businesses that fail. The market isn't ready for them. The market changes. It's great. And then all of a sudden on a dime, the market changes as we're seeing right now. But if you've invested into people, that impact doesn't go away just because the business has to pivot. Absolutely. And I think that's such an important distinction. Now, the people that you work with, when they come to you, what are they looking to achieve? And what is the process of working with you like? 
think everybody's looking to achieve the same thing, and that's to make more money. Whether we say that or not, I think that's just the bottom line. Nobody is coming to me or anybody else saying, hey, can you take my money with no return on that investment? No, nobody wants that. So what am I trying to do? I'm trying to say, hey, I can empower your leaders. And my personal niche is the what I call the lower than executive level leaders. There are tons of executive coaches, and it's a big market. And honestly, I think it's a crowded market. It's an overpopulated market. You, If you own a business, you can't scroll through any social media feed for more than about five seconds without seeing something that's going to tell you how you can make a million bucks this year. I think most of them are frauds, but that's just the case, right? So my target is not actually the executive level. What I have found personally is that in pretty much every industry, there is a phenomenon that occurs that nobody is really targeting. And that is somebody is hired and I'll use a very simple analogy. Someone's hired to be a barista. They're trained to be a barista. They're trained to make coffee. They're trained how to work the cash register or the tablet now. They're trained on how to do these things and they do really well. I think it's, I think it's like 15, 10 to 15% of people that are hired to do a job excel in that job. And so the natural course of action is they're doing great. We're going to promote them. And they promote them to a shift supervisor, a team lead, a manager, whatever it is. And nobody can figure out why they don't succeed. And the Peter's principle says that people will always be promoted to a position of ineffectiveness in an organization. But I tend to think it's because we don't realize that there is a chasm between super amazing barista and leader of people. And it's not just about being able to make a great cup of coffee. And that's true in the construction world. That's true in the medical world. That's true in the tech world. You can be amazing at something, but unless you're empowered to actually engage with people in a meaningful way, you're not going to be a good leader. And so my target is to say, hey, let me come into your business. Let me empower your lower than executive level leaders so that they can engage with your internal clients, your employees in a meaningful way. And that will in turn mean that your employees are able to effectively engage with your external clients, which is going to boost revenue, boost employee morale, keep your top talent because they're actually going to feel like they're heard and like they mean something to your organization. And overall, you're going to both save money on recruiting and on advertising and all that. And you're going to make more money because people are going to want to come to yours because of the experience they're going to have because of the experience of the leadership. Gotcha. And then do they work with you in a one-on-one -on -one setting or you work, meet with them as a team or what's that like? That is really at the discretion of the organization. I will work with people one-on-one. -on -one. That is less of my business model. My business model is more working with a group of team leads, managers, supervisors, whatever. But one of the things that I offer to anybody that, that is going to come to me for business is I offer a leadership assessment. And so what that does is I can come in and if you go to my website, you're going to see that I offer a 30-minute raw presentation a two hour, let's get in, let's get some Q&A, let's actually talk about what leadership is and different tenets of leadership, a, a four hour, a weekend, all that. But every single one of them includes a leadership assessment. And that's where we get into, okay, I have some packages, but I do not believe in a one size fits all idea. If I'm going to fill a gap, I have to make that puzzle piece fit your puzzle. And so that leadership assessment is going to really let me know, hey, do I need to spend some one-on-one -on -one time with your managers? Or do they simply need to be informed that being a manager now is not the same as being the best barista on the floor? It's such a chasm, as you said, going from that one level in a company to that leadership level. But I believe that all of us have leadership qualities inherent in us. So for somebody who has never been in that position before, but would either like to get promoted or is being promoted to a position of leadership, what are some of the easy things they can do to prepare? 
That's a fantastic question. I actually had the opportunity to answer that question for, we'll call him an acquaintance of mine, a guy, one of my brother's best friends. He was getting ready to apply for that middle management position. And he goes, John, I know you do this. What do I do? I don't even know what questions to ask. And I, I gave him a list. And I'll say this, anybody that wants to step into leadership needs to start by looking inward. I don't mean selfishly. I don't mean make it about you, but I do mean that we have to be willing to be introspective. The worst quote unquote leaders out there are the ones that are outward focused and inward magnified. And it needs to be the other way around. We need to be focusing on what we can change, who we can be, what we need to do, and then magnify everything else. I think it was Coach Wooden that said that a leader takes more than his share of the blame and less than his share of the credit. And so if you want to be a leader, start by saying, all right, where are my pitfalls? What can I be humble about? because that will lay a great foundation. And then when you're ready to apply or when you are applying or you're just stepping into it, maybe you own your own business and now you're starting to hire people. Be very cautious against the tendency to be the know-all be-all. I have a series on YouTube that I did on whole person leadership and how when you're engaging with people, it's not just a body in front of you. You might hire your first VA or your first secretary or whatever. And you're thinking, I just need you to type this type. Come on, type. The reality is that they're more than the ability to type, that they have mental aptitudes. They have emotional passions. They have spiritual values that they're aligning with and engaging with those individuals in a whole person capacity is going to make a huge difference. So when we as leaders come at it from the, I know what I'm doing and you will listen to me, we close ourselves off to so many good ideas and we ruin our opportunities for success because either we're hiring the wrong people because they don't have good ideas and they don't have any value other than to type and that's the wrong person. You don't want that kind of person in your organization or we've hired the right people and we're running them off because we're not giving them the opportunity to really blossom and flourish in the way that they can and it would help us if we would let them. So true. That's so. That's where so many good business ideas come from is other people within the business on the team and if you're not open to hearing what they have to say because you think you know better, you can miss a home run of an idea and then you'll also lose that person and they'll take that idea to somebody else who wants to help them see it executed. You end up with one of two things. If you are open to receiving that, you end up with the 3M, the company's 3M with the post-it note. And many people know that story. It's an easy reference, but post-it note was discovered by accident. Basically, they were trying to make a very super sticky glue. They failed, obviously, but 3M had a policy that said there is no such thing as failure. If something doesn't work, go put it in the vault and we'll work on that later. We'll see if that can turn into something. And the post-it note was born from that failure. On the other hand, Kodak had one of their engineers come and bring them the digital camera. And they said, no, that's a terrible idea. No one's going to, I wouldn't even that to anybody. It's, no one's going to want that. And look at Kodak stock over the last 30 years to see how that's gone for them. It doesn't work. And so those are the two, two opposites. You're either accepting great ideas and achieving amazing success, or you're shutting great ideas down because your people, you don't think your people are as good as I guarantee you they are. Yeah, 100%. Now, John, I want to turn the conversation a little more to your business. And I want you to imagine that your business is like a hose. And as we know, hoses can get kinked up and it slows off the flow. So if the money in your business is the cash flowing out of the hose, what is your number one kink right now kind of pinching that flow off? I have a unique situation with my business that may or may not resonate with some of the listeners. I have a different consumer versus customer. And I don't know how many people have that, but that makes it difficult to do because my 
customer is the executive team or potentially the learning and development division of an organization, while my consumer are the lower level managers and supervisors. So for me, that's really difficult to get a company to say, yes, I want to spend money on somebody other than myself or on something other than my own program. And so that that provides a nice kink. But I think bigger than that big picture, the big picture of where there might be a kink in my hose, if you will, is helping people understand the long-term ROI. Most companies, if you're selling a product or you are giving a service where you can say, hey, look, within 30 days, you're going to have immeasurable results. You are at a crazy advantage compared to me because I'm saying, look, give me 30 days and then your managers might be on board and they might start planting seeds that are going to yield results. Now, you look at a two-year plan and there's going to be dynamic results. But companies struggle with that. They need meaningful results very quickly. And so I'm having to really focus on culture results and say, okay, what can we do as far as a employee engagement survey? What can we do to prove to you that there is value here because the monetary value is coming, but you're not going to see a spike in sales because your managers start treating your teams effectively. You're going to see a slow and gradual climb that goes, there's something different about that business. Yeah, it's definitely challenging in those sort of development and educational coaching fields because you don't necessarily know when that ROI is going to come or where it's going to come from. And in that way, it's almost like having a marketing plan, right? You want to put in some money into an ad and then you want 100 people to show up at your website or store tomorrow. But what really happens is it takes you six months to figure out what works, what doesn't work, to tweak it and to really reach any kind of resonance with people. Yeah, 100% understand that. Okay, I want to talk about financial freedom now. Tell me what financial freedom looks like to you. Let's say you're at the point in your business where you can delegate every single task that you do and you don't have to show up inside of the business to work if you don't want to. You have all the money you need to create the lifestyle that you've always dreamed of. What are you doing with your time and how does that look? I am a huge believer in the adding of value, which I mentioned already. And so if there's an opportunity for me where I don't have to come to work every day, the chances are I'm still doing some form of work just to add value to the world. I think that's what we're born for. I think that's our purpose in life is to add value in any situation. And I treated that. I was the same way when I couldn't make a dime off it in prison. The people that were there with me, and I even had officers that would come up to me and be like, why do you put so much time and energy into this stuff that you get nothing for? And so I really do believe in this concept of that. And so I think that's what real financial freedom is. Financial freedom is the ability to add value to the world, whether it's paying you or not. Right now, I'm working to add value in a way that there's a, a reciprocation. Hey, I'm adding value. I need to eat today. So can I get some cash flow, please? And that's great. I, I don't have a problem with that. But I believe true financial freedom is when I can add value to the world in any way, big brothers, big sisters, or whatever. And there's no commensurate reciprocation other than just I'm sowing good seeds and I'm able to really find purpose regardless of what the dollar amount is in that situation. I love that. Then tell us what is one impact project that when you reach that point, you're really looking forward to getting your hands into? We have a dream to own a ranch in Montana. And I would absolutely love it if that ranch would be a place where people could come 
for just resetting. There's a lot of people that have just gone through a lot in their life. And I would love to be able to provide a serene environment, which is what I'm looking for. I can go to your business and work, and then I can go home to my sanctuary. And I would love to make that sanctuary something that is available for people and not for the $5,000 a night sanctuary cost that some of these costs, right? Creating a situation, maybe for those that have lost parents, for those that are really struggling in life. And sometimes you just need an opportunity to go and be in the woods and be with the animals and enjoy yourself. And I think it would be really neat to have the horses and the cattle and all that stuff that a ranch involves and make that a place where people can heal. That does sound really neat. I look forward to visiting someday. I would love that. Very cool. Super cool. Okay. Now tell me in your business, what is the one initiative you're really looking forward to achieving this year or something that you really want to get done by the end of the year? Despite everything I've said, there are some monetary goals. We are we are striving to, to hit a quarter million in revenue this year, which is still just me working to make this happen at the moment. So if we can achieve that goal, then that lets a couple of things happen. My wife is actually a blue collar welder and she loves welding. She is very good at it, but she does not so much like getting up at three o'clock in the morning so she can be to work by five. So I would love to remove that and let welding be her hobby instead of her, I would say nine to five, but it's not a five to two and release her from that. And then also empower us to start making that move toward Montana with me being able to supplement the income and really just making everything work. That's the financial goal for this year. And then if we go more like 12 to 14 months out, then that if you will call it that, because it's financially free, will allow us to replant and hopefully begin working toward that dream that I mentioned earlier. Amazing. I love that you have those clear goals. Now, do you have a written kind of plan that you're following as you work towards those goals? I am a goal setter. Every year for the past, even in prison, I was meticulous, 30-minute blocks. I'm I'm one of those weirdos that if I have a list of things to do and I do something that's not on the list, I write it onto the list so that I can cross it off. So I'm a list maker. I'm a goal setter. Every year or right at the end of one year before the next year starts, I set a list of all my goals. And I try to, I use a rendition of SMART goals. Most people are familiar with SMART goals, but basically it's just a set of goals that can be measured and are time-based and are realistic and all that. And I, I set those and then I break it up into quarters and then months and then weeks. And so I know, for example, one of the things I prioritized this year is some balance mechanisms of meditation and stressing. That was not something that I was making part of my life last year. I recognized that there was some imbalance. And so I wanted to incorporate that. I set some goals and I know that as long as I spend 10 minutes a day doing eat, doesn't take a lot of time, I can achieve a huge amount of additional meditation and whatnot, reading the same way. I set a goal of 3,000 pages of reading. Seems like a lot. It's not. It's 10 pages a day. That's it. It's a very achievable goal. I have everything written out and what I needed to do in each quarter and what I need to do in each month. And actually, when I when you found out about me, I had put in do five podcasts before the end of May. And this is part of me achieving those stated goals. Awesome. I love that you have those and that you follow it. I sound a lot. I've got a similar awesome. thing going on the 12 week year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like that's yeah. what you're rocking with uh, that yeah. system. Very cool. Okay, now before I let you go, is there mm-hmm. anything, any piece of advice or any other parting words you want to share with the entrepreneurs out there? I would say this. Obviously, I'm passionate about leadership, but I'm I'm more passionate about your leadership, if that makes sense. And what I mean by that is as an entrepreneur, you are touching lives, which means you're a leader. Whether you want to be or not, you're a leader. So the question is, are you a good leader or are you a bad leader? Are you making a good impact or are you making a bad impact? And because you're a leader, leaders get targets put on them. 
It's just what happens, whether you like it or not, there's a target, there's a bullseye that's put on you. And so just don't give up. Commit to making a positive impact and don't allow the, I think Taylor Swift said, haters be hating. Don't let the haters get you. It's not worth it. And somebody said something the other day to me that I'd never heard. And it, it was a revolutionary thought. They said, anybody that has time to criticize you is not more than more successful than you. Because the people that are more successful than you are busy achieving success, not criticizing people. And I thought there is so much wisdom in that. So those of you that are entrepreneurs, you're going to have people that don't like it. There's going to be people that tell you it's impossible. There's going to be people that tell you that you're full of yourself or that you've changed or whatever. Look at look internal, make sure there's no character flaws, but don't let them get to you. That would be my best piece of advice. Really powerful words, John. Thank you so much. For people who want to know more about you and what you do, where is the best place for them to go for that? I would say go to my website, johnantonucci.com, J-O-N-A-N-T-O-N-U-C-I.com. That will take them to all of my social media. It'll take them to my YouTube channel. I post a leadership-oriented videos three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, that come out on YouTube. I post on LinkedIn all the time, but you can find all of my information, including a brief rendition of my story. And if you're interested, you can reach out to me. I'd be happy to share the entire story if that's something that anybody would like to hear. And what's your favorite thing to eat? Oh, favorite thing to eat. I've been on a, I've been on a Chinese kick. I've been on a Chinese kick. I had teppanyaki the other day and yeah, I've, I like food. I could just say yes, but I've been on a Chinese <laughs> kick recently. Very cool. John, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Keep enjoying that Chinese food. Thank you so much. Everybody else listening out there, I hope you enjoy the podcast as well. If you haven't had a chance to subscribe yet, I don't know what the heck you're doing, but go ahead and subscribe. Leave us one of those five-star reviews. It helps us out a ton and to get the word out to more amazing entrepreneurs. And if you are a six-figure plus online entrepreneur like our guest, John, and you want to come on and share your business journey, your stories, and drop some wisdom for my audience, we would absolutely love to talk to you. For that, it's pyfpodcast.com. That's the letters pyfpodcast.com. We will see you all next time. John, thanks again. If you've listened this far, chances are you're an entrepreneur looking to become more financially literate and create financial freedom for yourself from your business. The Pay Yourself First podcast is definitely here to help with that. My goal is to continue to share what I've learned about using your business as the tool to create financial freedom. But let's face it, it would take me years to share with you everything you need to know via these episodes. Creating financial freedom is something that most people never even consider, let alone make a plan for or take action towards. It's something almost no one was taught anything about. Doing it as an entrepreneur is even more challenging, especially without support. So if you're ready to get clear on what financial freedom looks like for you, come up with an action plan and get the support systems and accountability you need, I invite you to consider the Abundantly Infinite Entrepreneur. I created the program to help entrepreneurs just like you get a handle on their personal and business finances and start building confidently towards financial freedom. And it's how you can discover ways to take 10 years off your retirement, add an extra five or six figures to your portfolio, and finally get clear on what numbers you should be tracking in your business and why. Together, we'll gain clarity around your financial goals and what being financially free would actually look like for you. Then we'll put together a customized game plan to get you there and the accountability to see you through. And by the way, you're also going to get all the spreadsheets you need to run your numbers, lifetime access to the materials, including any updates, and entry into our members-only community. In addition to all the knowledge, coaching, community, and systems that you need to create financial freedom from your business, 
you'll also receive a free financial assessment, a retirement planning session, and guided meditation aimed at helping you embody the feeling of true financial freedom. So yeah, you can just listen to the free content on these podcasts to help you move towards becoming a financially free entrepreneur. And sure, you'll likely see some results, or you can make the decision to commit to learning, implementing, and embodying what you need to know to create the financially free life you dreamed of when you started your business journey. Click the link in the show notes to answer a quick questionnaire, and you'll be on your way to joining the Abundantly Infinite Entrepreneur.